humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father God, I pray now, Lord, that you would open our ears, Father, that we would hear from Holy Spirit as we focus on you this first Sunday of 2022. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And you may be seated. What I want us to begin to talk about as we look at this reset is to look just a little bit back at last year. You know, last year we had a lot happen within our own church. We had many who experienced COVID, and God got us through the COVID. We had a budget that was set, and for a while we were wondering, would we make budget? And I want to let y'all know that for the year of 2021, we met budget and went just a little bit over that. God is an awesome God, amen? God is a great God, but he does this through individuals, and how does he do that? But he calls individuals. And the first thing I want us to realize, and probably the greatest thing that God has ever done, is he calls you to salvation. God is the one who calls. God is the one that comes after us. Look there at verse 10. That's where I want us to focus on this morning. It says, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. God calls us to salvation. Salvation, church, is more than just a repentance of sin and more than a delivery from one place to another. It's more than just being saved from hell and going to heaven. He calls us to salvation. A life lived with him, one where he is Lord and one that he is Savior. But amazingly, how does God do this? Who is this God? It says, may the God of all grace, all grace, God's free will, goodwill given to us. God is a God of all grace, things that we get mercy and grace. We hear those words, we're not given what we deserve in life, and we're given things that we don't deserve. Over in uh, James chapter 1, we get a good verse that really describes this grace. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. Yes, every good gift. Don't matter if you think you earned it. 
God is the one that bestowed it upon you. He uses people that he's called to bless other people. He calls us to the salvation. He uses his grace. Do you know probably the greatest grace ever given to us from this God of grace was his son, Jesus Christ, that was born of a virgin and died on that cross to take my place and to take your place. He, he calls us to, to salvation, but he also doesn't just call us to salvation because he's a God of all grace, but this salvation is we're called to eternal glory. I know we hear these words sometimes, and I looked it up to, to really get a, a better definition of this eternal, and it's continuing forever, a period of unending duration. You see, God is calling us to an eternal glory. From the moment we accept Christ, forever and forever and forever, beyond time. We can't comprehend that, but I want you to, to do your best to try to fathom that we're going to be called through salvation. We're called to him for all of eternity, forever we're going to spend with God. We spend time with God here on earth, but when he calls us home and we go to be heaven with him, it's never ending. We don't have to worry when is this going to take place. I know this uh, last week, Waylon was all excited. His sister was here. But I know in the back of his mind, some like the rest of us, at some point, this is going to end and she has to go back home. But eternal that comes with salvation is never you know, as much as we hate this earth, we like this earth. We're comfortable here. And when we go to heaven, we're not going to want to come back here when we experience the glory that's in heaven. And it's going to be eternal. We don't have to come back. The, the glory, this eternal glory, if I looked up, it's a, a Latin word. We've heard of gloria. It's meaning of fame and renown. Listen to this. It is used to describe the manifestation of God, excuse me, of God's presence as perceived by humans according to the Abrahamic religion. Eternal glory, the manifestation of God's presence with his people. You want glory? All of eternal glory, it starts at the moment he calls us to salvation. His presence comes and dwells with us, and we can experience his presence. But there are times, if you're like me, that we want to step away. We want to look at ourselves. God's glory is eternal. It's always there where we may not experience the manifestation because we've allowed sin to come in our life and we've been unrepentant. But once we repent and we turn from that, God will come and his glory is there. It's forever. John chapter 1 verse 14, we hear this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his Glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When Christ was born, the glory of God was here with us. When the shepherds were out in the field and the angels came and they began to talk about the glory and God's presence was there. 
When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, the glory showed through his brightness, but this eternal glory that we get because of salvation is the not just the salvation, not just that one day we're going to be with God, but the manifestation of his presence here with us right now and every day. Matthew 5, verse 16, let me just read this to you real quick. Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Our works that we do because of our salvation, not for our salvation, allows other people to see the glory of God. We can be a representation to others through our life because of our salvation. He calls us for that purpose, but he calls us one way and one way only. He calls us to salvation through Christ Jesus. There's no other way to salvation, and we know this because even Jesus tells us in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So God... I want you to listen to everything we do today is about God, what God does, because us humans, we can't do it. But God calls us, God calls you to salvation. He calls you for the purpose of eternal glory because he is a God of all grace, everything good, salvation is good. He calls us through Christ Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. But it's not always easy. You know, secondly, when we look at God calls you, God calls you to suffer. It's probably not what you thought I was going to say, not what you want to hear. But we see in Scripture, look back there at First Peter at verse 10 again, it says, after you have suffered a while. You're not going to suffer all along, but you're going to suffer for a little while. We see all through Scripture God's people suffering. We suffer because we we live in a broken world. Why do we suffer? Because we've each been born into this world with flesh. And our flesh has a nature of its own. And within ourselves, we have a desire. And our fleshly desire is in opposition to God. So when God calls us to salvation, there becomes a change and there becomes a battle that goes on between us, between our our spirit and between our flesh. This world we live in is in opposition to God. But what I love is the scripture says there at verse 10, it says for a while, maybe for a, a little while, a short period of time when we look at time in its entirety even if we look at our entire life whatever that may be from birth through our death the sufferings we go through are only for a little while and then we're out of them and then it seems we come back in them but the magnitude of what it's here as a a believer 
We're going to suffer through this life, but the life we experience here on earth, even if God granted us 115 years, is only short compared to all of eternity. So God calls us to suffer because there has to be a difference on the scale of things. Well, why do I say that we, we suffer? Well, you and I are both here on earth. We're humans. When we look in Scripture, I want us to look just quickly at a, a couple of people who suffered, mainly Christ Jesus. God's only son suffered. So do we really think if Christ suffered that we're not going to have to suffer for a little while? Christ suffered because he come as a perfect person. He come to be the savior of the people. He was suffering through rejection. From the moment he was born, they were after to kill him. They didn't want him. Even his own people, we looked at that last week or a couple of weeks ago. He was not only rejected, but he went through persecution. Time and time again, we would see that Jesus would move from place to place because of the persecution that he experienced. And the worst of all is when his own people turned their back and began to yell, crucify him. And they took him to the cross and they hung him on the cross. Now, why his suffering was for a little while, his suffering had a magnitude of an effect on the world for all of eternity. The same thing happens when we suffer. But how about this, gentlemen? Have any of you heard of the Apostle Paul? I would have to say he suffered far greater than any of us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 real quick, if you'll turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23, he's writing. It says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, my abundance. In stripes, above measure. He had been beaten. In prison, more frequently. In death, often from the Jews... Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. One of their penalties in the, the whipping or the beating is they would sentence them to 40 minus one because anything over that might kill the person being beaten. Paul experienced that five times. We see pictures that are so often betrayed of Jesus Christ being beat with that cat of nine tails and the blood. And we think of how horrible and gruesome that was. Paul experienced that same thing five times. He says, verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked and night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys, often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the cities, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toll, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and naked. The Apostle Paul experienced suffering. But it made the Apostle Paul all that much greater. How could the Apostle Paul 
deal with the suffering that he was called to. God had ordained his life. Nothing happens that God doesn't allow to happen. And he had ordained him for this purpose of spreading the gospel. I believe Paul did it the same way Jesus Christ did it. He kept his eyes on the greater picture. His eyes were focused on God himself. We see all through Scripture where Jesus was praying to God. Jesus was seeking his own Father for his own will. He went to the Father before they come and arrested him in the garden, and he prayed to the Father. His focus was there, not my will, but thine. I believe Paul had that same focus. We don't see it recorded, but I believe Paul was the same way, not my will, but thine, Father. Because I can promise you what Paul experienced was not what he wanted to experience. But there is one other, and that's believers. Believers suffer. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let me read to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. What is better, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at these things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. Light afflictions, but for a moment, are far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. We suffer because it changes us. We suffer because we're trying to fight against this evil world with the life of salvation that God's called us to, and he helps us through it with this eternal glory, as it says there, for just a moment. But there it is. We don't look at the things seen. You know, if we look around us, if we look at our things that we have in the house, if we look at our jobs, if we look at our retirements, if we watch the stock market, if we, for most of us, if we watch our bank accounts, it's hard to get through this life. While we do need to pay attention to those things, our focus needs to be on the unseen things, heaven and eternal and he will keep us forever in those things, temporal. We will grow. And you know, the more we grow, the more of the glory of God we see. You see, God's glory, we've already said, is eternal. He's present. He's manifested himself. But the more that we're intimate with him and the more that we follow after him, the more we get to experience and see that glory. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So here is your option. I'm going to give you all an option today. You can choose to live a life that is fine and dandy and maybe not have much persecution. Or you can, as 2 Timothy says, you can desire to live godly in Christ Jesus and you will suffer persecution. It's your choice. But I promise you, you will grow 
and you will experience more as we go through that persecution. How can we do it? Would you all agree with me with a nod of hand? It's difficult, yes. We can say amen. We all agree with that, that this persecution, this suffering that we must go through is that way. But here's where it builds, okay? First of all, God calls you to salvation. The moment we're saved, then God calls us to this suffering. But he doesn't leave us there. Third thing I want us to leave us with today is God calls you to strength. This is where our reset comes from. Look back there at 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 10, that last part, and it says, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That goes back to the first part, but may the God of all grace. God is going to perfect you. God will strengthen you. He's going to establish you, and he's going to settle you. Each of these four words are action words, verbs. But they're also referring back to the subject, which is God, which tells us God is the one that's going to do this in us. Amen? He's the only one. We can't do it. God is going to do this. It's a future work that as we go through this suffering, God is working. God is doing the work. And the first one there says he's going to perfect us, or it might say restore us, or we can even take it down to reset us. You see, when we suffer sometimes, we lose focus. But our God will reset us kind of like going to the chiropractor. Any of you ever gotten all out of whack? You've had some pain? You know, I used to know a guy who was so out of whack that when you would look at him, he actually looked like that when he was standing straight. The bones get disjointed. They get out of joint. And you go to the chiropractor and they reset those bones. They put them back in place. They restore them to their natural, their natural place to give you a better life, to restore you back to the way you were. But when Christ restores us, it also tells us there that he will establish or he will confirm us. He will cause us to be inwardly committed to him. I think that's the difference there. We're focusing on God, not our surroundings. God looks at us. He's not looking at our surroundings. He's looking on the inside. And when God resets us, he wants us to be strengthened. He calls us to be strengthened. God never saved us to be weak. He gave us the power that Christ has resides in us with the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, we don't know how to harness it. So many people don't know how to use it. And as you grow, then you begin to learn to use this power all the more. And he is going to confirm within us that our inward self is committed to him. And then he's going to, to strengthen us again here. God's doing the work. He's going to make us stronger. Do you think God's going to make us stronger? Why do we do that? How are we going to get stronger like this? Well, we we got to go to the gym, right? 
You got to get some weights. You got to begin to pump those weights. You got to do some push-ups. How many of you have, don't show a hands, because how many of you have ever spent any period of time working out? Maybe you put some leg weights around. I remember when those were kind of popular, little weights around your ankles, and you'll do some walking, or, or maybe you'll hold a, a little bit of thing. I remember my dad one time took a, a little piece of wood about this long and put a long string on it with a scuba diving weight on the bottom, and we'd have to hold it out straight and roll it one way and then unroll it. It begins to strengthen our body. I mean, darn, you got to suffer through that. I ain't never seen anybody gain strength that they didn't suffer. Well, we're suffering for God because he's called that and he's strengthened us. But what is God strengthening if he's not strengthening our muscles? This strengthen, when we look into the Greek, it's talking about he's going to strengthen our soul. He's going to make it possible for us to get through it. Amen. What better way to go along with the one that's called us? How exciting is a new year? We can look at this reset and understand what God's called us to and what he wants us to do. And then fourthly there, it says to to settle or to establish us. God is going to, God is going to in the future, lay the foundation. Nothing strong without a foundation. You ever worked or built with those Lincoln Logs? If you start with that, you know, the most of all of them are round little logs. If you put that round little log, and I can tell you this through experience, if you take that little round log and you put them all around and you begin to build, you're going to get about three or four high, and this little log cabin you're going to do begins to do that. It doesn't have a foundation. But if you'll dig down in that big tin that all those Lincoln logs come from, you're going to find some that have been cut in half. And it is flat, and when you lay it down, it lays the foundation. And you can build about this high as long as you've got enough Lincoln logs. And you link them together because that foundation is there. And what God is doing when he settles us or he establishes us is he's providing a secure basis for the inner life that's within us, our soul, how we get through it. The foundation that Jesus Christ is the only way. If you don't have that foundation and you're trying any other way, you're going to miss it. But he lays that foundation for us. And I love this settled. God gives us a secure place in this hectic, chaotic world of evil all around us. God calls us to be strengthened and he does it by giving us a secure place in him he gives us a secure place here on earth we're looking forward to a secure place here after earth and how does he do this but he gave us the holy spirit you remember when jesus said i must go for if i don't go i can't send the holy spirit i'm going to send the comforter so christ had to go and he had to come back why did he send us that comforter I'm glad you asked that question this morning. I know you were all thinking it. But let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, how amazing and wonderful our Lord is. He says, now he who establishes you, there's our word again, he who establishes you, us, with you, in Christ, 
and has anointed us in God, who has also sealed us, there's our secure place, and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God gave us the Holy Spirit to show us our secure place, our guarantee of our inheritance, our guarantee that we will inherit more than that, our guarantee that we are safe and secure with God, that we are his children. Amen? We are heirs with Christ. So what do we do with all of this knowledge? We're here beginning 2022. Have any of you ever watched Family Feud? We can maybe show a hands that. I think most of us have maybe see Family Feud at one time. Two people come up. There's one standing here, and there's one standing here, and what's right in the middle? A red buzzer. If you ever watch Deal or No Deal, when he asks the question, he'll open up, and there's a, a red buzzer. And to make that decision to take the deal, you must hit the buzzer. On Family Feud, if you want to answer, you must hit the button. It's a decision that you have to make. And before all of you come in here this morning, even though you can't see it, I knew where each and every one of you were going to sit. And right in front of you on that little brown ledge in front of you is a red reset button. And it's your choice this morning if you want to reach out in just a moment and hit that reset button and let's reset for 2022. Let's reset. What do we want to do? We want to recommit to him. We're all as believers committed to him. What are we going to recommit? Here it is before you hit the button, before you take the deal or no deal. To Christ's lordship in your life. Recommitting to this, daily time with God, reading his word daily. Your pastors help you with that by giving you a sheet, and you're going to follow along with us through the church. And also, when we take the deal, here's what God's going to do. He's going to reset us. He's going to restore the joy of your salvation. He's going to refresh in us the, prominent, the promise of our inheritance as children of God. And he's going to refresh in us the co-heirship with Christ. I mean, there, there, there's your option. And let me read this verse to you, and then I'm going to ask you to choose. You know this verse. This is why I want us to choose, why I want us to reset for 2022. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, beginning in verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and he said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven, and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their lamb. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. 
I ask you right now, bow your heads. I don't want anyone looking around. Bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Deal or no deal? Do you want to recommit? Do you want to reset for 2022? Do you want the best year ever? I promise you, if you want the best year ever, you're willing to commit to reset to what we said, to Christ's lordship in our lives, daily time with him, reading his word daily, letting him reset and to restore the joy of your salvation, refresh in you the promise of the inheritance as a child of God and refresh in you the co-heirship with Christ. If you're willing to do that and you're willing to commit this year I promise that I will come in to do everything within my power to help you. And I believe as a church that if we reset right now, that we will be ready and we will experience the best year ever. Here's your opportunity. We're going to go with Howie Mandel's deal or no deal. Now, I've walked by each of you. I've lifted the little clear cover. No one's watching No one's forcing you. But if you will commit to reset for 2022, I'm going to ask that you physically take your hand and just reach out and touch the pew right in front of you as if there was a red buzzer right there. If you're willing to do it, just reach out right now as a symbol to God and reset for this year. Father God, I thank you. And Father, I know it might seem a little silly, But, Father, you saw each one in a physical act, Lord, and you knew from their heart first. But you saw those that reached out, Father, and that imaginary red button, they said, let's reset. Father, I'm calling on you right now, Lord. I ask that you reset me personally. Father, I ask that you reset all those who reached out and touched that button And, Father, I ask that you would reset our church. And, Father, I'm claiming and believing that if we do these things that line up with your word, that, Father, the glory, not just the eternal glory, but the eternal part of the glory that's here and now, Father, the manifestation of your presence will be so real this year that, Father, that when we close out 2022, Father, we will be shouting praise the Lord and hallelujah at what you've done in our individual lives, Father, what you've done in our communities, and, Father, what you're going to do in and through this local body, your church that we call Mount Olivet. Father, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And Father, what better way? Lord, I just want to pray right now for Brother Sam. Father, for Brother Mackey and Gail, Lord, as they come to lead us beginning next Sunday. Father, what better way to reset than through a reset revival? Father, would you be with this week as we come before you in prayer? Father, as we want to bathe this time. We want to seek you as you're seeking us, that our lives would be ready, that the church would be ready. Father, we just pray that you work in a mighty and powerful way. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. And thank you for this day. And Father, I thank you for this church.
And Father, we just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. Can we say, well, glory this morning. Glory. God's glory is eternal and it's manifested all around us. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Let's just worship the Lord. Y'all be in prayer. Don't forget, Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday night at 6 o'clock at the prayer cottages, and then whoever's available, 9 o'clock in here Monday morning as we begin praying over this. Invite guests. It's not going to be our typical revival. It's going to be something special. It's going to be something exciting. May God bless you.